0: live from the heartland and the
1: crossroads of america it's tony katz today
0: our leaders did that in vietnam when i got here as a young man i will not do it in afghanistan I know my decision will be criticized, but I would rather take all that criticism than pass this decision on to another president of the United States, yet another one, a fifth one, because it's the right one, it's the right decision for our people, it's the right one for our brave service members who risked their lives serving our nation, and it's the right one for America. Thank you. May God protect our troops, our diplomats, and all brave Americans serving in harm's way.
1: And just like that, he was gone. Yes, that was an homage to the usual suspects. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, President Biden, that speech about Afghanistan not addressing the failures of leaving Afghanistan, just explaining why he didn't want troops in Afghanistan anymore, a conversation that we can agree or disagree about. But the reaction, the reaction can be best summed up by Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, who took time off from being on vacation to say POTUS made clear that he will not ask Americans to fight and die in a war that the Afghan military is not willing to fight for itself. But that isn't actually What it is Joe Biden made clear that might be what Jen Psaki wants to put out into the world, into the sphere is the conversation. But is that how the world is taking the conversation? Let me bring in Noah Rothman, Noah C. Rothman on Twitter, on Twitter, on Twitter. Uh, You often uh, see him on MSNBC as a commentator for NBC. And he writes over at commentary magazine, commentary dot org in his piece, Joe Biden just made America and the world. Much less secure. So, Noah, I, I would argue with you that this is a far cry from the way Jennifer Saki sees uh, President Biden's speech. Uh, I am one of the people who says that this isn't supposed to be a conversation about whether or not we should be out of Afghanistan. This is something, this is about how we left Afghanistan. Give me your thesis about what Joe Biden did yesterday.
2: For a man who is supposedly possessed of this boundless capacity for empathy, he's, you know, he's this warm, glowing white light. Uh, We have never seen from this man the kind of callous indifference to the abject misery to which he is consigning not just Afghan, but the upwards of 10,000 Americans who we do not know where they are. We have a visa regime here, and we have no understanding of how many Americans— are not in U.S. custody in the airport in Kabul, who have simply gone to ground in order to avoid being captured and used as bargaining chips. The Pentagon is at at a loss here. Joe Biden said that he wouldn't consign them, he wouldn't bequeath a fifth American president this war. He absolutely has, and with less prospects for success than he enjoyed. The notion here, for example, uh, that the Afghans simply had no will to fight is betrayed by the fact, A., That we were engaged in false, fanciful peace talks with the Taliban, which probably sapped quite a bit of that will because American support for the country was on borrowed time at that point. Second, according to this Wall Street Journal expose, quote, the Afghan military simply could not operate anymore, unquote, when, quote, uh, Joe Biden pulled the plug on air support, intelligence contractors, and service the people who were who serviced Afghanistan planes and, and helicopters. They simply could not operate without the close air support that America provided for so many years. They, the collapse wasn't preordained; it was engineered and what's more we're now seeing intelligence chatter I mean, you should read this piece in the washington post which talks about how global jihad aspiring jihadists have been emboldened by this to the point now where they're they're, they're talking about abandoning you know uh, going to syria going to iraq go to afghanistan Where we now have a friendly government armed with billions of dollars worth of offensive weaponry, vehicles, helicopters, airplanes, and other accoutrements to facilitate offensive operations where they can once again export terrorism abroad. Absolutely, the next American president will be engaged in that mission because according to the inspector general for Afghanistan, American interests will be imperiled in the near term and policymakers will regard that peril as unacceptable. This is not over. It has only just begun.
1: So when we talk about this idea, at your piece, uh, Joe Biden just made America and the world much less secure, uh, I went to and, and I do have questions about, you know the, the, this pullout conversation, and, and I'm always up for more research, uh, as you talk about uh, air superiority or air cover, et cetera. The Global Times had put out that China uh saying from what happened in afghanistan those in taiwan should perceive that once a war breaks out in the straits the island's defense will collapse in hours and u.s military won't come to help as a result the dpp will quickly surrender so when we talk about the world being much less secure it seems that china at least china state affiliated media was on this before anybody else talk to me about watching joe biden's response and some of those worldwide responses that come to it
2: yeah, um so that that outlet is a is a propagandist outlet and it's very it's just, it's just thumpy, you know, that's kind of how they they behave. Right. Um but why wouldn't they want the people of Taiwan to believe that the United States will not come to its support? I don't I question that. Um for if if an action were to take place in the strait Which, you know, reports have indicated that the Chinese government has gotten much more bellicose and does perceive there to be a window of opportunity here that is reasonably narrow, narrow enough to present a pretty credible threat to the fact, to the point that American um, brass have testified before the Senate, before Senate committees that they believe a threat to Taiwan, a military threat to Taiwan's independence will materialize in this decade. Why wouldn't they perceive this to be a sign of weakness that they should take advantage of now? While they have the opportunity. And before Joe Biden was no longer in the White House more. And it's not just in the Strait. I mean, elsewhere, for example, in Europe, um, where you have uh, a revanchist, a recalcitrant, irredentist power in Moscow that has already um, seized and annexed territory in Europe by military force. Why wouldn't they perceive this to be an opportunity to act as well? It was only a couple of months ago that Vladimir Putin put the, put the uh, world on a war footing by having this ma- massive buildup on Ukraine's borders. And it's not just Ukraine that I worry about. It's Estonia, which is a NATO ally. Uh, one of the big fears uh, among war planners in the West has been the prospect of Moscow testing NATO's commitment to its mutual defense treaty. Would the world go to war, a global war against Moscow, for the defense of Tallinn, Estonia's capital? I'm not so sure anymore. And I think the Kremlin's perspective must actually you know, be entertaining that prospect too. If push came to shove, if there was a test, a military test, a portion of territory in Estonia was taken, Estonia invokes NATO Article 5. Would the entire West commit to a military action against Moscow with all the threat that entails? I don't know. And the fact that we don't know the answer to that is incredibly dangerous.
1: Talking to Noah Rothman, commentary.org, and a uh, contributor over at NBC. The discussion of Article 5 refers uh, to uh, the articles there within NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Article 5 states that an attack against one is an attack uh, against all. The only time it's really been enacted, invoked, utilized was after September 11th. But an attack on Estonia would would force it into action. And we are now left with the question of how would we respond or how can we respond? And I think this is where the rubber meets the road. So let's get back to what we saw in Afghanistan because you have two pieces, right? You have at commentary.org the fall of Afghanistan and then you have Joe Biden uh, just made America and the world much less secure. So one of the questions is should the United States have ever pulled out of Afghanistan? I am one of the people who argues that you can't stay there forever. Then comes the question of whether or not, like Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska has been discussing, you needed to keep a light footprint. That is America's future. Light footprints in area, in areas across the globe to handle the crazy people. Just a few thousand troops, it's all you need to be able to have some level of rapid deployment. Handle a problem quickly. You might not be able to handle a giant attack on you, but if you handle these problems slowly uh, or, or, or quickly and, and with just the right amount of precision, you won't even have uh, that happen. Was America right or wrong, whether it be Biden or whether it had been Trump just in the concept to pull out of Afghanistan?
2: I don't think you can look at what's happened over the last 72 hours and think that the equivalent of forward basing, which is what we had in Afghanistan, basically a forward base, American service personnel to the tune of about 2,500 operating from behind high walls and closed doors supporting Afghan military operations and counterterrorism operations in places like Pakistan, Um, places that aren't that easy to reach from the Persian Gulf, by the way. Um, Forward-basing is the status quo in tens of countries across the planet And the reason why you don't know about many of them and you don't hear about many of them is because they are executing very small-scale operations, interdicting threats before they materialize into something that can strike at the heart of Europe or the United States. So, yes, I do perceive uh, the the minimal footprint and the minimal cost, the affordable cost associated with maintaining that footprint to be a cost that that was a burden that we could bear indefinitely. Certainly, what we've seen in the last 24 hours, or 72 hours at this point, rather, is a cost that we cannot bear. What we've seen as a result of our withdrawal has not been less war, but more war. What we've seen has not been more stability, but less, less stability. What we've seen is not a receding terror threat, but a growing terror threat. We have not seen anything resembling the kind of conditions that people who advocate for retrenchment say would, would, we would be blessed with if we would only just to our own interests, recede into Fortress America, and sink every dollar we have into welfare programs so we can succumb comfortably to the forces of history. No, we have seen everything that everybody like me has warned about, that the chaos would follow our withdrawal. And what would follow the, the American-led hegemony, would not be something we would be able to tolerate. And it is upon us. We're looking at it right now, and it's only gonna get worse.
1: Let me split the two things up, because I I wanna make sure we're we're hitting our subjects properly. There is the conversation of whether or not the United States can stay in Afghanistan ad infinitum. Stay forever. Then there's the conversation of how you engage a withdrawal. We may disagree about the idea of staying in Afghanistan for forever. What I want to discuss is how a withdrawal is done, the history of withdrawals from other nations, how people are now making the comparison to Saigon. And the truth is, when I first heard it, I said, my gosh, we're bringing up Vietnam. And then I was like, holy cow, we really are bringing up Vietnam. I was stunned at the speed by which Republicans and Democrats both made that connection, maybe because it's just one of those kinds of almost talisman in the U.S., that that, that, uh, a lightning rod. That hits and, and captures the imagination. Where are specifically the issues, the failures within the withdrawal and relate them to what Joe Biden did or did not say in his speech just the other day?
2: I mean, Joe Biden's speech was just littered with fatalism and and, and abject you know, untruths. I mean, the notion, for example, he peddled this notion that nobody, you know, that nobody really wanted to get out. They didn't want to project panic, so you know, we didn't we didn't allow them to get out. I mean, we have a backlog of visas from people, visa applications for people who supported us, and people who helped us, government officials. You know, going back, it's tens of thousands of people. Um, which, by the way, I think is a, a gross underestimate of the, the number of people that we were supposed to get out. But Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, you know, try to justify this with a, a number of falsehoods that are that are perfectly debatable. Um, what I think is central to the question that you're asking is is whether this was inevitable, that the collapse of the Afghan government would have happened at some point and in this way, and there was just nothing we could do about it, so that we should have gotten out earlier. It just doesn't matter, or whether or whether you know there was something that we could have done to to prevent this. And the, the premise that this was inevitable to me is is Terribly flawed, only because of what we said earlier, that this did not happen entropically. It was engineered. The Biden administration and the Trump administration, to a lesser extent, committed themselves to a course of action that would gradually steal from the Afghan National Army the capabilities that it needed to execute the forward operations that it had been executing since 2014 when when NATO-led combat operations ended. All those many years ago, and all we were doing was providing support, air support, and special operations support up to 2019, 2020, early 2020. Um, That is the sort of thing that we took from them gradually, slowly, and then all at once. And yes, the Afghan national forces failed to operate because we didn't give them the support, we didn't allow them, we didn't, we didn't give them the, uh, the the support staff necessary to operate planes and helicopters. We didn't conduct close air support operations. All of a sudden, we took that away overnight. And guess what happened? The Afghan National Army collapsed with stunning alacrity. But it's the sort of thing that people say, oh, you know, this this would have just happened. There's nothing we could have done about it. We did a lot to make this happen. It wasn't a lack of agency on our part that allowed this to happen. We engineered this debacle.
1: I think that hits the ear hard. I'm not. I'm not debating it with you right now. I'm going to go back and and read some of the things that you were discussing and come back to that idea of engineered uh, the 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 debacle because I think that hits people in a in a in a in a big way and they may agree or disagree. I guess the question now leads to: Is any of this fixable?
2: That's a very good question. It's one I'm not prepared to answer, unfortunately. Um, I do know that. Uh, our involvement in Afghanistan is not over, uh, as much as we would have liked it to be. Unfortunately, we will probably be back, just at a time and place not of our choosing, and with all the tactical disadvantages, much like we encountered in Iraq in 2014. Um, we are now we have we have created or left behind, at least if you're inclined towards charity, a country that is the uh, source of a regional refugee crisis. It is now a country that is run by a uh, medieval Islamist. Insurgency that has never renounced violence or terrorism indeed welcomes terrorism and terrorists aspiring jihadists around the, the world have responded in kind and are descending on this country and it is now really advanced and we left behind a lot of functional military infrastructure, a lot of offensive weaponry, a lot of uh, you know, Humvees, helicopters, jet aircraft, all the sort of thing that a modern state needs. Um, that the Taliban never had before. Um, and now with its tacit support from Pakistan, we're looking at a, a country that will not be up to pariah on the world stage. It will be a regional actor um, in support of Islamist, jihadist, terrorist operations. And it will take a couple of years for those to materialize. But materialize they will, whether or not the United States decides it's in our interest to intervene pre- preemptively before those threats can materialize into uh, Events in American shores is an open question, but those threats will materialize. It's just a matter of time.
1: Noah Rothman, Noah C. Rothman on Twitter, uh, the piece Joe Biden just made America and the world much less secure. Commentary. Uh, dot org. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. We're going to continue the conversation. The, what is it that Joe Biden said exactly? How bad is it? How bad did Joe Biden mess this up? Commander Kirk Lippold, retired U.S. Navy, was the commander of the USS Cole when it was attacked by Al Qaeda in the year 2000. He joins us next to dig in on that conversation. We're hitting it from every angle, guys, because we got to make sure we're all aware of what Joe Biden said about how wrong it was, how how purposeful he was in missing the point. I mean, we got to digest what Noah Rothman went into. We'll get into what Kirk Lipbalt has to say. And then over at MSNBC, they're like, oh yeah, it's great. No, 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 all of America's behind Joe Biden. It's all cool. It's not all cool. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter. Tony Katz, keep it right here. This is Tony Katz Today. failures of Joe Biden, the President of the United States are growing and certainly he did himself no favors with that horrifying speech just yesterday he did himself no favors with a speech where he made the claim that we planned for every contingency and then admitted uh, that we didn't plan for every contingency there was a lack of leadership That was just massive. This leadership, especially when dealing with an enemy, like the Taliban, which is the enemy, as much as China's an enemy and Russia's an enemy, Taliban, uh, global war on terror, uh, that is an enemy. Underestimating them leads to disaster. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you leadership is needed do we have it and where exactly do other leaders see the failure commander kirk lippold joins us right now retired united states navy he was the commanding officer of the uss Cole. this was the guided missile destroyer part of the u.s navy that was attacked by al-qaeda october 12th in the year 2000 while it was being refueled in yemen 17. Navy sailors were killed, 37 injured, to then make sure that this destroyer didn't sink, to then make sure you are properly rallying those whom you have charge over. Takes a certain skill and a certain leadership. Commander Lipold joins us right now. You can learn more about him at kirklipold l i p p o l d kirklipold dot com, sir. You watched President Biden speak yesterday. You heard his thoughts on staying in Afghanistan, and of course that he not only has no regrets but claims to have planned for every contingency. Your initial thoughts when you first heard him.
0: Well, when I first heard him, Tony, it was, I take full responsibility for blaming others, for ensuring that I don't take any heat for this, that all the failures were this, and then to turn around and try and blame President Trump for a decision he made and say I had no choice when he's turned over virtually every other decision that President Trump made shows such an utter lack of leadership such an utter incomprehension of the strategic failure that this type of withdrawal represents. It was stunning to listen to him and also frustrating for the thousands of young men and women who served over in that country to try and give those people a better life and to see this failure unraveling.
1: Let's get into a little bit of what he stated and and got into. And he starts with with a statement that we could agree or or disagree with which is the, the Afghan military needs to be able to protect and defend itself. They need to be able to protect and defend their nation, and we can only spend so much time in a place, eventually we have to go. I would argue that that is not the area that people disagree with, but in your view, and a view we've heard, I'm, I'm curious about your view, but we've heard this from Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska, that we need to keep a light footprint in the area. Is, is that what is now part of a- American foreign policy, keeping a light footprint in a bunch of these areas to ensure that the bad guy doesn't get too uppity?
0: Well, I think what you have to look at is that if you are going to commit yourself, which the United States has done, to be a world leader since World War II, then you have to pick and choose where you have footprints depending on your national security interests. Now, while President Biden, in how this whole thing is unraveling in Kabul and Afghanistan right now, bears the responsibility for how it's playing out. I also will look at it and say that the failures that we are witnessing are a failure for four presidents. Bush, Obama, Trump and Biden all refuse to deal with the root cause of how the Taliban came into existence and continued to exist. Because let's face it, Pakistan is at the root of everything. They gave the Taliban safe haven. They gave them arms. They gave them territory from which they launched attacks that killed hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans in that country. And yet we did nothing. To go after Pakistan for four administrations for 20 years, we did not address the root cause. Oh, yeah. A few drone strikes now and then into the Northwest Territories. But at the end of the day, a nuclear armed nation got away with killing thousands of Americans and had nothing. And if you look at Pakistan today, they're now cheering that the Taliban has taken over and chased the Americans off. How do you think Iran is looking at that right now? How do you think China is looking at that right now? They are well. We fully know for sure. To take advantage of us.
1: We know for sure that China has already threatened Taiwan uh, over this, saying the U.S. is not here to help you. When we want to cross the strait, we're going to cross the strait and and take what it is we want to take because you belong to us. Speaking to Commander Kirk Lippold, retired U.S. Navy commanding officer of the USS Cole when it came under attack by al-Qaeda, you are somebody who understands al-Qaeda uh, probably better uh, th- than most. And I don't make an argument about uh, Pakistan. But one of the things that we heard from from president Biden yesterday was uh, that he he would he doesn't regret the move to pull out. I want to make sure that I I hear you. Should the United States be pulling out of Afghanistan in total?
0: In total, absolutely not. And I'll tell you why, Tony, and this is this is something your listeners need to understand. If you look at where Afghanistan sits geographically between China Pakistan and Iran, it sits right in the middle of what is commonly referred to as the arc of instability. Being there, having eyes on the ground, being engaged with the local military and political forces gives you an insight that on-ground presence cannot be made up for. No amount of intelligence is ever going to substitute for that human intelligence you get by interacting with the people. So to have some type of footprint there is absolutely in our national security interest, and we should have remained.
1: Now let's go part two which is the part that Joe Biden didn't get to in his speech. And I would like to hear your thoughts on it. You know what it's like to have to try and save people when an attack has happened. And you have, I would only assume, plan upon plan upon plan of how to deal with things when you know there's a timeline, never mind when you get attacked uh, really out of the blue. We have U.S. uh, personnel. Regarding the embassy, we have Afghan personnel who've been helping the U.S. military, who we know will be murdered by the Taliban if they if they remain. Why wasn't this being handled in May and June and July? And why what it was your take when you realized that President Biden wasn't going to discuss the failures of the exit in this speech?
0: I think when you look at it, Tony, what I don't think President Biden grasps right now is the fact that he is the president of the United States and is responsible for the safety of every American. And right now with American lives in jeopardy, when I got hit on that bomb. I had to focus on two things. Nothing else mattered. What do I have to do to save my ship? And what do I have to do to save my crew? Right now, what President Biden is not focused on with 100% of his effort is what do I need to do to get every American out of Afghanistan safely? And instead, he's back on vacation up at Camp David his White House spokesman is enjoying vacation because, well, everyone needs a little bit of time to decompress and get away from the pressures of Washington. Not when there's a major international crisis going on where the credibility of the United States government is at stake in our ability to stand up for our national security interests. So right now, this president is failing our nation by not putting every resource necessary to get people out of that country.
1: Talk to me about... Uh, two two parts. How should the evacuation have taken place, considering there was going to be this pullout, and we all knew that it was coming? And what should the president be doing if you were advising him right now?
0: What I think the president should be doing is marshalling every single military asset and flying it toward Kabul to try and get as many Americans out. And I would do two things. One, tell the Pakistan government that if one American gets killed by the Taliban, we're to hold their government accountable, as well as letting the Taliban know you will give safe passage to anyone anyone that wants out. That includes the Afghanis, and that includes American citizens. And tell them, if one American dies, let me tell you, every piece of equipment that you've gotten, we will take it out, and then we will come over to Pakistan and do the same.
1: Speaking of uh, equipment, talking to Commander Kirk Lippold, uh, commander of the USS Cole when it was attacked by al-Qaeda. Uh, we left behind a lot of hardware, sir. Uh, we left behind Blackhawks. We left behind uh, Scan Eagle drones. We left behind MRAPs and Humvees. This normal to you?
0: Ah, we did the same thing in Vietnam, and unfortunately, I think our number one priority has to be let's get the Americans out, and then we look at the equipment that we think fell into uh, the Taliban's hands, and then we can see what we want to do with it.
1: I uh, I, I find myself staring at this, this uh, speech and just staring at these events and asking the following question. What if... President Biden actually got bad intel. You had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, saying that this was going to work. Others saying that the Afghans could handle it. Just a month ago, there was President Biden saying, with 300,000 troops and so well equipped and they can handle it. I question the resolve of the U.S. military, not of the soldier, but of the leadership exactly how much culpability does today's leadership have and how far down the line do we need to go to change the culture
0: that has now come to be? Or am I off base? You're not off base. You're, you're 100% spot on. And what the American need, people need to start demanding is that the senior leadership of the military needs to be held accountable for this failure. And we do so by firing every single one of these service chiefs. We do not need military leadership at the top who understands Washington more than they understand the troops in the field that they're supposed to be fighting and saving. Because right now, they've become so politically compliant, so politically acquiescent, so politically yes-man, that they no longer give best military advice to the commander-in-chief. They tell him what he wants to hear instead of what he needs to know. And consequently, American lives are in danger as a result.
1: Commander Kirk Lippold, Commander of the USS Cole, on October 12th in the year 2000 when it was attacked by al-Qaeda. Uh, sir, I appreciate you taking uh, the time to be with us, and let's talk again soon.
0: Absolutely, Tony. Thank you for having me on. And tell your listeners, and especially those that serve, hang tough. We will get through this.
1: Done and done. Commander Kirk Lippold, I appreciate the time. More to get to. I'm Tony Counts. If it helps, both Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are heartbroken and speechless about Afghanistan and Haiti. Wait, hold on. That doesn't help. Like, I could have sworn that could, I could have sworn that was going to help. Tony Katz. (laughs) Tony Katz today. Why is anybody asking them for a statement? What does it matter? I mean, it's, it's no one cares no one ugh the less we hear from those two the better then uh, there is a story about Marvel and Kevin Feige getting producer Ari's full attention you have it there was a comment about Shang-Chi that was a misunderstanding Producer Ari, do you know about the theatrical release of Shang-Chi? Of Shang-Chi? Yes. Is it Shang? I have it as S H A N G. So I could be pronouncing it wrong. It's pronounced Shang-Chi,
2: the master of the Ten Rings, and he's the master of Kung Fu. I'm familiar with him, yes.
1: It is the legend of the Ten Rings. Get it right. For shame. Meanwhile, the CEO of Disney was talking about the movie and referred to it as an interesting experiment. This has gotten people pretty angry that it would be referred to as an experiment, and one of the actors in the movie is like, we are not an experiment. Stop it. We are the it. underdog. Stop it. Stop. I'm reading it. it. You're- we are not an experiment. We are the underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will persevere after an embattled year. We are the surprised. A surprise. I am fired. I'm fired the blank up to make history on September 3rd.
2: That is... Do you on I want to ask the people who do you honestly believe for a single second that Marvel was somehow saying a movie with Asian people is the experiment Or was it more likely them making a kung Fu movie was an experiment? I want you to think what's the most reasonable explanation?
1: Maybe he was discussing on an investor's call how uh, Shang-Chi and Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds movie, would be released exclusively in theaters as opposed to both theaters in Disney Plus, like Black Widow and Cruella and Jungle Cruise. Well, that's clearly (laughs) racist. Maybe there's nine million different ways this could be thought of as opposed to something bigoted. That's so dumb! We live in the world of so dumb, man. We live in this world of just silliness. People want to be angered. They want to be upset. They want to find reasons to hate. They're desperate for it. This way, they can say, Look, look, look how woke I am. Look how, you know. Look how uh, uh you know how much I'm I'm doing. Look how I'm being oppressed. Aren't aren't I wonderful? Aren't I special? Eh. It's just more and more nonsense. Every single day. And and it it does. It does have a dangerous effect. These things do pile up on, on, on us and we're like, oh, "Can't take anymore." And uh, and what happens is you get uh, numb to it, you get a nerd to it, and then these people are actually allowed to go hurt other people for their nonsense. It's obvious no one was speaking about Asian people in that way. Oh, Asian people in a movie? That's an experiment. Nobody's saying that. At all. Nobody is saying that Joe Biden had himself a good conversation in his speech about Afghanistan. Well... Save for some people in MSNBC. I've got that story coming up on
2: Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today.